Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Waller. Welcome to Campfire Classics Live. Ho, ho, merrily on high. So welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Hey. Uh, as promised in uh, last week's episode, it is Christmas, and we are going to tell you some ghost stories by the fire. And as I told Ken when we were talking about this whole idea, was, I don't remember saying that in the last episode. I don't remember most of the things I say in episodes. Yeah, so this is something that gets us in trouble frequently, is Heather promises things, and then it's my job to make sure they actually happen for you, the listener. So if you've been looking forward to this, you have her to thank for the idea, and me to thank for the execution. Hey! You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, this is going to be an experiment. Uh, this is our fireplace, yes? <laughs> yeah, I suppose we should actually... Um, Where's the... Oh, we can change the colors. No, I was going to say we should actually not start it until we're going to be reading the story. Tradition. (laughs) Tradition. Tradition. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Yeah, so it is uh, Christmas Day night. Yep. (laughs) Um, So Christmas is coming to an end or whatever holiday you're celebrating today. Um, We hope you all had a festive one. It was a good day here. We had so much food. Um, if I burp multiple times during this taping, I apologize, but it's a compliment to the chef. And it won't get edited <laughs> out because I don't know how to edit video. Hey! Uh, <laughs> if, if you're listening to this audio only, um, there will probably be bits in this that are video, so sorry. Well, that happens. Uh, my, my favorite podcast, which I talk about a lot on the show, uh, they started doing video like a, like a year and a half ago, and I didn't even realize they were doing video, and then there were like these moments where I'm like, what? I don't understand. And then I realized that they had gone to a hybrid, like they still recorded like studio-wise, yeah. but they had a camera on them. Like, don't worry. And I, was like, I promise if we do anything really amazing on video, like this headstand that I'm doing right now. Yeah. That's, wow, amazing. That's really impressive. I will describe it to you, our listening audience, who are getting that? just the audio portion. Are you drinking that bourbon upside down? I've been practicing this particular move for weeks. <laughs> I've been working on my handstands, my headstands, and my drunken circus tricks. Drunken circus tricks. That's our next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Drunken Circus Tricks. With a new host every week, because you know what happens when you do circus tricks drunk? Get hurt. You die. <laughs> um, so this this is going to be a little bit of a, an unconventional episode because we're not doing a lot of our regularly planned things because we didn't really know we were doing this. Yeah, Ken, a couple like as we were cleaning up from Turkey, was like, we should record those things. I was like, what? Um... <laughs> So this this will be uh, this will be our first episode in weeks without a clown corner. Even though I kind of got away from clown corner last with Santa Claus corner. Yeah. So I let it slide. We're going back to clown corner with the next time we record. Don't you worry. I got a clown picked out. We're all set. Okay. Um, but uh, the other thing that we're not going to be doing as we normally do fun is facts. fun facts. No fun um, facts for you. Because we will be uh, reading for you a couple of short stories by Mr. M.R. James, who we have read more than once on and, this podcast. And if and you, you remember, can hear, uh, you can hear fun facts about him 
on uh, episode number something titled something and episode number something else titled something else. Um, what what you will remember maybe about Mr. James if you're a loyal follower. If not, if you're new, this is your first episode. Wow, this Fuck is a you. weird one. Um, Mr. James is responsible for the whole ghost story at Christmas thing. Really, he's like they like in the fun facts I did of him the very first time. They attribute him to making it popular. It had been a thing, but his stories became like. Are you going to say Charles Dickens? Well, no, I was going to say no. Well, Charles Dickens was before M.R. James, but also it's been it had been going on since like the Celtic times. Well, yes, I'm saying <laughs> he like popularized it and like made it like. Commercial. He commercialized it. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, then I'm just gonna shut up. Mr. James is the Walt Disney of Christmas ghost stories. So this week's episode, uh, sponsored by the Mouse. If you'd like to contact us, you just let us know. Uh. Sponsored by um, the House of Mouse, or in this case, the House of Rats, because that is the title of the first story we're going to be reading That was tonight. a good segue, baby. Thank you. I'm really good at those sometimes, <laughs> especially when I'm a couple of Maker's Marks deep. Yeah, I'm almost at the um, bottom of my first bottle of red wine. So uh, tonight's first story is called Rats by M.R. James. Rats. And it was written in a year. I think that is a compilation, so I don't know if they're all from this, the same year. This was published in 1923, so it was written sometime before then. Great. And I think, so the very first story we ever read of his was, I believe, Was Wailing Well. Was Wailing Well. Yep. Um, also from this from book. From this book. Yeah. So, so fun story, because it's the holidays and it's all about family. My mother gave me this book, gave us this book when we were back for, well, because we started the podcast during uh, covid um, she found this in our basement, like in my parents' basement, and was like, this looks like something that you might be able to use for this podcast thing you've started. And we were like, oh, shit. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> and now we've read, like, this will be like our third or fourth story from it. So we love it. Are, yeah. we, are we getting to rats? It's a good one. Rats. <laughs> I have a very fun outfit on. My, my, so here's a little story. Before we start rats, because Heather likes tangents. Hi, this is Heather here reporting on her fashion statement today. I'd like to just like point it out. It looks really good on camera, actually. I'm like, I'm kind of into it. Hello, TikTok, eat your heart out. Uh, <laughs> he does love me, I promise. I do. This is the kind of tangent that if we were just in the recording studio, might not make it to the final See y'all? See what y'all missing out on? You write in and you say, we want more Heather Ridiculous. So, <laughs> but because I don't know how to edit video cleanly. <laughs> so she's loose, everyone. This is what you're getting. So I had on some green pants that are very comfy that feel like pajamas and a green top. And I was cooking. I'll be over here. And I, <laughs> and I was like cooking and I was like, why is there a draft in my crotch? <laughs> and I put my hands down and there's a giant hole in my crotch. I was like, when did that happen? Because the last time I wore those was at your show. I'm like, did that happen at night? And I didn't even notice it. I have. You could have been giving everyone a whole different show. And I was like, did you not notice that? And he goes, no. I'm like, well, crap. So I'm like, well, now I'm in the middle of cooking and I have to change. So I go and I try on a couple things. I'm like, I was really enjoying my like kind of ridiculous Christmas outfit. And then I went, you know what? My new like thing for in like the new year or my or like from the holiday on or whatever, the renewal, the uh, solstice thing is when things don't go as planned or things don't go as you thought they would, embrace the absurdity. So Ken gave me this. Where are you going? Em embracing the absurdity. Yes, see? Embrace the absurdity. So Ken gave me this beautiful poncho for Christmas today. He did good, right? It's cute. It's super soft. Um, and I was like, okay, I have that. Now what can I wear with that? And I was like, I have this see-through like lace skirt that I <laughs> um, And I'm gonna put on like some dance shorts with it and then I'm gonna put on knee-high socks. And like, look at this outfit, y'all. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty great. It's pretty good. <laughs> So anyway, if 
if you catch some leg, I am wearing pants, technically. Booty shorts. Dance shorts. Potato, potato. <laughs> Rat, let's go! <laughs> I'm done with my tangent. <laughs> this is also his jacket from Buddy Holly. Let's start this fire. This is upside down. This is gonna be awful for sound. I'm taking these off. Oh yeah. Ding, ding, ding. We're just talking about bells. <laughs> Rats by M.R. James. And this is a quote at the beginning. And if you was to walk through the bedrooms now, you'd see the ragged moldy bedcloths a heaven and a heaven like seas. A heaven and a heaven with what, he says? Why with the rats under them? Oh, fuck no. Ew! I'm gonna have trouble sleeping tonight. Nah, we don't need that. I don't that. like it. No. Better than bed bugs. Oh, God! No! <laughs> That's like my worst fear. I'm gonna be itchy for the rest of this episode. God damn. <sighs> okay. Won't this be fun, everybody? Merry Christmas. But what is it with the rats? Really, I ask. Because in another case, it was not. <laughs> yeah, it's not always rats. I no, mean, sometimes it's bed bugs. <laughs> sometimes it's Bigfoot. <laughs> oh no, I broke it. <laughs> oh, it's the same thing underneath. Why is that the cover? It's called a dust jacket. Fancy ass people. <laughs> it's to protect it from dust. <laughs> And rats. And rats. <laughs> All right, let's start this again. So I'm not going to read the quote again, but I'll do. But what is it with the rats? I ask, because in another case, it was not. I cannot put a date to the story, but I was young when I heard it, and the teller was old. It is an ill-proportioned tale, but that is not... No, it is my fault, not his. <laughs> it is it an ill-proportioned ill tale, tale, but that is, but my, that fault, is my fault, not, not his. his. I, uh, like, often try to change the, the sentence. The meaning of yeah. the story. It happened in Suffolk. Oh, I used to live there. Near the coast. In a place where the road makes a sudden dip and then a sudden rise as you go northward. At the top of that rise stands a house on the left of the road. You making a map? Yeah. It is a tall red brick house, narrow for its height, Perhaps it was built about 1770. The top of the house has a low triangular pediment with a round window in the center. Behind it are stables and offices, and such garden as it has is behind them. Scraggy scotch firs are near it. An expanse of gauze-covered land stretches away from it. It commands a view of the distant sea from the upper windows at the front. A sign on a post stands before the door, or did so stand, for though it was an end of repute once, I believe it is no longer. Ooh, Wait, was it a brothel? An end of ill repute. It was a brothel. It was a. It was a tall brick brothel. Well, and as I uh, posted on my book of the face today, um, I a video that said, "You keep the Christ in Christmas, I keep the hoe in holidays." Which is appropriate, because really, Christ doesn't go in Christmas. Christ goes in Christ Mass. That's true. So technically, ho shouldn't go in holidays. Ho should go in holidays. Don't talk about her hoes. Her holes. Holiday. <laughs> I'm done. The holy days. The holy days. The hoes go in the holy days. And Christ goes in Christ Mass. Or Christ Moss, which would be more Christ in Spanish. This is what also usually gets cut out. <laughs> I'm the weird one and he's the intellectual. You're welcome. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Back to the story. We're at the house I cut, of ill repute. I cut both of our best bits equally when yeah, I Yeah, he does. It. He does. He does a good job. To this inn came my acquaintance, Mr. Thompson. Oh, I thought it was someone named my acquaintance. His name is Thompson. Not my acquaintance. Don't get them confused. Maya like. Thompson. Maya Quaintance Thompson. 
To this end came my acquaintance, Mr. Thompson, when he was a young man on a fine spring day, coming from the University of Cambridge and desirous of solitude in tolerable quarters and time for reading. That sounds like you. Yeah. These he found, for the landlord and his wife had been in service and could make a visitor comfortable, and there was no one else staying at the inn. He had a large room in the first floor commanding a view, commanding the road and the view, and if it faced east, why, that could not be helped. <laughs> the house was well built and warm. <laughs> Nobody wants a room facing east. Apparently. The sun comes through at morning. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And he wanted to be left alone mm -hmm. to read. So I mean, he probably stays up late with some whiskey and a book. And yeah, yeah, yeah. No and his hose. And, well, we, it's empty right now. The house is not of ill repute anymore. Right now. Yet. There's a lot of... We got some rats coming. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. He spent very twank... Twankful... <laughs> He spent very taint quill days. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing up there, but... Up in the taint? Up in the <laughs> Should I draw you a map? Yes, please. Can you, uh, can you visualize that for our audience? It's that one right there. Okay. It's like where the hole was in my pants. <laughs> where the hole was cooking in your pants. our turkey dinner. <laughs> oh, I just showed that I'm not nearly as classy as I look, because I've... <laughs> he likes to make faces when I do stupid things, but there's a reason we've been together seven years. <laughs> He just hides it more than I do. <laughs> One of us has to be the straight man, or this show would go <laughs> off the fucking rails. True. Very true. Read the book, Gracie. <laughs> if you get that reference, awesome. You're probably too old to be listening to a podcast. <laughs> well, my parent, our parents are listening. Yeah. My dad introduced... I think we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. It was a... Uh, 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 good night, Gracie is the famous phrase. Yeah, yeah. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Yeah, and Gracie is the clown, which was very progressive for the time. Ladies didn't get to be funny so much, but you know, I take what you get. Okay. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Your love. <laughs> What's happening? Where am I? <laughs> You've been drinking it faster than I. Very tranquil and uneventful days. Work all the morning and afternoon. Do your best. I don't have a thing here where I can look up. All words. I could see, and like I know that's not what it is, and I can't actually say that this is not. I could say this is not the word I think it is, but I was going to say perineum. That's <laughs> definitely not that, which is another word for taint, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Perambulation. Perambulation. Walking around. Yes. Perambulation is walking around. Yes. But my brain went to perineum. Perineum. <laughs> is after perineum, is afternoon perineum in the country. It's, it's Sure. It's a word for your taint. Because when you're doing yoga, they want you to lift your perineum. It's like the like actual word for your like butt must, like your, anyway. <laughs> All you yogis understand. <laughs> Great. I, I believe you. It's a nice way to say, lift your asshole off the ground. <laughs> An afternoon perambulum and... Perambulation. Perambulation. <laughs> Working all morning and afternoon perambulation of the country round. A little conversation with country company or the people of the inn in the evening over then fashionable drinks of brandy and water. A little more reading and writing and bed. And he would have... And he would have been content with this, should have it continued for a full month, had he the disposal. So if he had enough money, he would have So well was his work progressing, and so fine was the April of that year, which I have reason to believe was, which I have reason to believe was that which Orlando Whistlecraft chronicles in his weather record of the charming year, who the fuck is Orlando Whistlecraft? That's like the original, like, Joe Winters. It's, yeah, he's, he's the, he's the he's guy the who records guy. everything for the Farmer's Almanac. Yeah. Like, he records what the weather's been doing. Listen to his name. It's like, the, like, cause you know how, like, all local weathermen have the stupidest names. It's like, 
Joey's, Johnny Stormfront. The guy in Iowa City or in like Eastern Iowa's Joe Winters. Yeah. And it's like, that's not your name. <laughs> Carolyn Tempest. <laughs> Orlando Whistlecraft. <laughs> bullshit. I, I call bullshit. But anyway, apparently this was a really good year. And so Mr. Thompson would have been really happy if he could afford to stay. One of his walks took him along the Northern Road, which stands high and traverses a wide common called a heath. Oh, I like that they like did the whole like description and definition for us. On the bright afternoon when he first chose this direction, his eye caught a white object some hundred of yards to the left of the road, and he felt it necessary to make sure what this might be. It was not long before he was standing by it and found himself looking at a square block of white stone fashioned somewhat like the base of a pillar with a square hole in the upper surface. I think it's a, a ancient um, glory hole. So back in the day they had square penises? <laughs> no, they should have the tools for the circular carving. The circle hadn't been invented yeah, yet. Yeah, the wheel. Yeah, they had the wheel yet. That's it. Glory hole. <laughs> you regretting these choices we've made? I hate this show. <laughs> I'm sorry. I want to point out he was the one that said, We're going to do this. You know what I'm like when I go rogue. What's going on? Just such another you may see at this day on Tetford Heath. Apparently Tetford Heath is like a dirty, glory hole place. <laughs> after, after taking stock Humist of it. glory holes. Humist glory holes. It's like alien. Well, it's like Stonehenge. It's or like, it's where did it come from? Why? Why are they square shaped? This is what you get if you unleash Picasso in a men's room. There you go. It's a Picasso Humist glory hole. Glory holes. There you go. You figured it out. Even though this was written before Picasso. So, well, eh, same time. don't make barely cubist, but... Yeah, but, you know. It's all good. <laughs> all right, so you may see this on Tethford Heath, where, whatever that is. After taking stock of it, he contemplated for a few minutes the view, which offered a church tower or two, some red roofs of cottages and windows winking in the sun, and the expanse of sea also with the occasional wink and gleam upon it, and so perused his way. Or are you just stretching your jaw? I was, I was Were demonstrating you? a wink. Oh, okay. Oh, you were, you were, um... I told you, there are visual components to this episode. Okay, I, I thought you were having a stroke or something. No, I was having a moment, just me and the audience. Don't oh, worry I'm sorry. about it. I'm, I'll just, I'll just be over here reading the story. And <laughs> it's okay. Wink away, baby. <laughs> God damn it. In the delusatory evening talk in the bar, he asked why the white stone was there on the common. An old-fashioned thing, that is, said the landlord, Mr. Betts. He was none of us alive when that was put there. That's right, said another. It stands pretty high, said Mr. Thompson. Oh, wait, that's our main guy. I don't want that to be his voice. <laughs> that's right. As, uh, no. That's right, said another. It stands pretty high, said Mr. Thompson. I dare say a sea mark was on it some time back. Ah, yes, Mr. Betts agreed. I'd have heard they could see it from the boats, but whatever there was, it fell to bits a long time. Good job, too, said the third. Twarn't a lucky mark. Oh, apparently he's, this guy's Irish. Great. Twarn't a lucky mark, but what the old man used to say, not lucky for the fishing, I mean to say. Why, why ever not, said Thompson. Well, if I never see it myself was, well, I never seen it myself was the answer, but they had some funny ideas what I mean peculiar, them old chaps, and I shouldn't wonder, but they... This is going well. Keep going. I just... I just saw you looking the camera. You just veered hard into Monty Python, but I was enjoying it. <laughs> 
They was a bit peculiar, <laughs> Noah, I mean. It's written in dialect, so what are you going to do? Monty Python. Monty Python. All right, so, well, I've never seen it myself was the answer, but they had some funny ideas, what I mean, peculiar, them old chaps, and I shouldn't wonder, but what they made away with it themselves. It wasn't possible to get anything clearer than this. Oh, no, they've been <laughs> oh, drinking so a lot. Oh, good, so he didn't understand. No. Great. So that wasn't supposed to make sense for anyone, so especially Heather, who just did five different voices in that one little... One paragraph. It was not separated by people. <laughs> it was impossible to get anything clearer than this. The company, never very voluble, fell silent, and when next someone spoke, it was of village affairs and crops. Mr. Betts was the speaker. Not every day did Thompson consult his health by taking a country walk. One very fine afternoon, he found him bit. We found. Mm -mm. One very fine afternoon found him busily writing at three o'clock. Then he stretched himself and rose and walked out of his room into the passage. Facing him was another room, then the stairhead, then two more rooms, one looking out of the back, the other to the south. At the south end of the passage was a window to which he went, considering with himself it was rather a shame to waste such a fine afternoon. However, work was paramount just at the moment, he thought. He would take just five minutes off and go back to it, and then five minutes he would employ, the Betzes could not possibly object, to looking at the other rooms in the passage. So he's like, I'm going to explore this house because I need a break. He's like, the weather's nice, so I should go outside. No, I'm not going to go outside. I'm just going to explore this creepy house. Okay. And the landlord won't be, it'll be fine. Nobody at all, it seemed, was indoors, probably, as it was market day. They were all gone to town, except perhaps a maid in the bar. Very still the house was, and the sun shone really hot. Early flies buzzed in the window panes, so he explored. The room facing his own was an undistinguished, was undistinguished except for an old print of Bury St. Edmunds! like when it had treat us because we were kids and it was like a probably 25 minute drive from the village we lived in um they would drive us and because it was the only town that had a mcdonald's <laughs> hey I was i'm like, guessing the mcdonald's was not part of the image probably not was. but there's a beautiful cathedral there as well <laughs> but very st edmunds is like I, I know it very well, let's just say. There was shopping there and the McDonald's. So a nine-year-old girl who grew up in the South until this moment was like, I Everything want a happy meal. Want. It really was. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Tangents. Hi, Mom and Dad. Thanks for the McDonald's. <laughs> the two next to him on his side of the passage were gay and clean. <laughs> that's good. With one window apiece, whereas he had two, wait, did I, did I turn it right? Yes, I did, okay. We're gay and clean. I, I, the, page, the page term was on gay and clean. I got very distracted. Gay and clean, with one window apiece, whereas his had two, remained the southwest room opposite to the last which he had entered. This was locked. It's never good if it's locked. Don't go. He's gonna try and get in. Or it's very good. It's more interesting if it's locked. Yes, it's more interesting. It's good literature. This was locked, but Thompson was in the mood of quite indefensible curiosity and feeling confident that there would be no damaging secrets in a place so easily got at. He proceeded to fetch the key of his own room, and when that did not answer, to collect the keys of the other three. One of them fitted, and he opened the door. I love that he just, like, went down to the, like... Went to the end, desk the and desk snagged and, like, all the... Sure. Yeah, sounds great. Like, it's fine. No one's staying in here. It's not important. There's no reason this door is locked in this creepy old house. Uh-huh. Next to the square glory holes. <laughs> the room had two windows looking south and west. So it was as bright and the sun as hot upon it as could be. Here there was no carpet, but bare boards, no pictures, no washstand, only a bed. 
In the farther corner, an iron bed. Ooh. <laughs> and Kinky. Yeah, I was like, it was like an iron cross. Because <laughs> there's a bed and an iron bed. Since two. Sure. Maybe it's a family room. It's, it's got. Two, it's like the cot. The iron bed is the cot that you put out for the kids. <laughs> I don't know. With mattress and bolster covered with a bluish check counterpane. As featureless a room as you can well imagine, and yet there was something that made Thompson close the door very quickly and yet quietly behind him and lean against the windowsill in the passage, actually quivering all over. Uh-oh. That's when you leave. You just unlocked a creepy door by stealing keys, and it just, just, it back standing, up just standing in there makes you, like, not feel good. That's when you go. Just lock it back up and go away. It's that simple. Just lock <laughs> it back up and like go away. Like we said, good literature, right? Okay. Yeah. All right, so he's shivering all over. No, sorry, quivering all over. Ooh. That's a very That's a different word. word. It was this, that under the counterpane someone lay. Ew! What? Whoa, that took a turn, and we did not start a new paragraph. It was, oh my God. Um, I just, I, I was quivering all over all of a sudden, okay. Uh, it was this, that under the counterpane someone lay, and not only lay, but stirred. That it was someone and not something was certain, because the shape of a head was unmistakable on the bolster. And yet it was all covered, and no one lies with covered head but a dead person. It's not true. I mean, you gotta keep. I, I guess I stick, I stick my head out of the blankets all the time. Well, and apparently and it's sunny. It. Apparently it's sunny. I don't know, but it's hot in there. So, like, anyway, uh, we're gonna find out. Uh, and this was not dead. For true, for this was not dead. Not truly dead. For it heaved and shivered. If he had seen these things in dusk or by the light of a flickering candle, Thompson could have. Conf Thompson could have conf mm -mm. Thompson could have comforted himself and talked of fancy. So if it was like at night, you know, and like, oh, <laughs> I'm imagining things. Oh, silly me in the dark. But it's like fucking middle of the day. It's like, uh, didn't even start drinking yet today. <laughs> On this bright day, that was impossible. What was to be done? First, lock the door at all costs. Very gingerly, he approached it and bending down, listened holding his breath. Perhaps there might be a sound of heavy breathing and a prosaic explanation. There was absolute silence. But as with a rather tremulous hand, he put the key into its hole and turned it. It rattled. And on the instant, a stumbling, paddling tread was heard coming through. Yes, I know. <laughs> Sometimes houses make sounds. It was the perfect timing. <laughs> See, we don't need editing. That was terrifying. <laughs> Holy fuck. Did y'all hear that on the thing? I hope that picked up. Oh. <laughs> A sudden battling tread was heard. <laughs> I mean, come on. That was amazing. I'm sweating. <laughs> okay. Paddling tread was heard coming towards the door. Thompson fled like a rabbit to his room and locked himself in. Futile enough, he knew it was. He knew it was. Would doors and locks be any obstacle to what he suspected? But it was all he could think of at the moment. And in fact, nothing happened. Only there was a time of acute suspense, followed by a misery of doubt as of what to do. The impulse, of course, was to slip away as soon as possible from a house which contained such an inmate. <laughs> like, really, it's like, oh, I'm getting the fuck out of Dodge right now. <laughs> but only the day before he had said he should be staying for at least a week more. And how, if he changed his plans, could he avoid the suspicion of having pried into places where he certainly had no business. Moreover, either the Betzes knew all about this inmate and yet did not leave the 
and yet did not leave the house or knew nothing, which equally meant that there was nothing to be afraid of or knew just enough to make them shut up the room, but not enough to weigh on their spirits. In any case, it seemed that not much was to be feared and certainly so far, he had no sort of ugly experience. Okay, so basically he's like, okay. He's, this, he's rationalizing his way out of his fear. That's this, all it's This happening. is fucked up, but if I hadn't gone in there, I'd have nothing to be afraid of. The Betzes seem cool. They have people staying here. They've got the bar open. Like, so if, if even if they know that thing's in there, they know that if it's locked, it's not going to fuck with anyone. And if they don't know it's in there, it means they haven't had any problems they haven't, yet. No, it's just, yeah. it's minding its own business. All right. On the whole, the line of least resistance was to stay. <laughs> what and a good I British gentleman. I always gentleman. make my decisions based on what is laziest. <laughs> I think I think he just didn't want to deal with the questions because he's a good British man. Like, I don't want to upset anyone. Oh, dear. I'm going to burp. I love how I said I'm going to burp after I burped. Um, I'm going to have a drink. And then you covered your mouth after you had burped. Which is the most useful time to do that. <laughs> well, he stayed out his week. Nothing took him past that door, and often as he would pause in a quiet hour of day or night in the passage and listen and listen. No sound whatsoever issued from that direction. You might have thought that Thompson would have made some attempt at ferreting out stories connected with the end, perhaps from bets, but from the person of the parish or old people in the village, but no, 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 no. The, re the reticence, the reticence which commonly falls on people who have had strange experiences and believe in them was upon him. Nevertheless, as the end of his stay drew near, his yearning after some kind of explanation grew more and more acute. On his solitary walks, he persisted in planning out some way, the least obtrusive, of getting another daylight glimpse into that room, and eventually arrived at this scheme. He would leave by an afternoon train, about four o'clock. When his fly was about... <laughs> I was like, what's he going to do with his fly? When his fly when was his waiting... Fly was down. When his fly was waiting, so I guess that's his carriage? Yes. Okay. Never heard that term. When his fly was waiting and his yes, luggage you have, on it. Because we've used it on the podcast before. I told you I don't remember anything we do on the podcast. I don't listen when you're reading. I'm in the or moment. Or when I'm reading. I'm in the moment and then it goes this way. It's like, bye. I told you I'm a visual learner. If I don't see it on the page, it like goes. Well, hopefully you'll remember this. I might remember this story. Good times. You can come back and watch it if you I can. I can be like, be wow. Visual about I it. need to take some Ritalin. Uh, when his fly was waiting and his luggage on it, he would make one last expedition upstairs to look round his own room and see if anything was left unpacked. And then, with that key, which he had contrived to oil, if that would make any difference, the door should open, should once more be opened for a moment and shut. So it worked out. The bill was paid. The consequent small talk gone through while the fly was loaded. Pleasant parts of the country, been very comfortable. Thank you to you and Mr. Betts. Hope to come back sometimes. Yada yada, one another. It doesn't say yada yada, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's basically what he's doing. On the other side and the other. Very glad you found your satisfaction. So well done. Yes, always glad to have you over your word. Toss, 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 toss. I mean, it is really like very much favored. Wish you the weather well, to be sure. Yada da. Then. Oh, I'll just have a look upstairs in case I've left a book or something out. No, 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 don't trouble. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> and as noiselessly as possible, he stole to the door and opened it. The shattering of the illusion. He almost laughed aloud. Propped, or might say sitting on the edge of the bed, was nothing in the round world but a scarecrow. <laughs> A scarecrow out of the garden, of course, dumped into a deserted room. Yes, but here amusement ceased. Have scarecrows bare bony feet? Do their heads lull onto their shoulders? Have they iron collars and lengths of chains about their neck? Can they get up and move? 
if never so stiffly across the floor with wagging head and arms close at their side and shiver. Yeah, dude, that's not a scarecrow. Ew. <laughs> that's a sex slave. <laughs> the iron bed. The iron bed. The slam of the door, the dash of the stairhead, the leap downstairs were followed by a faint awakening. Thompson saw Bet standing over him with a brandy bottle and a very reproachful face. You shouldn't have done so, sir. You really shouldn't. It ain't a kind of way to act by persons has done the best they could for you. Thompson heard words of his kind, but what he said in reply, he did not know. Mr. Betts, and perhaps even more, Mrs. Betts, found it hard to accept his apologies and his assurances that he would say no word that could damage the good name of the house. However, they were accepted. Since the train could not now be caught, it was arranged that Thompson should be driven to town to sleep there. Before he went, to, before he went the Betzes told him what little they knew. They said he was a landlord here a long time back and it was in with the highwaymen that had their beat about the earth. That's how he come by his inn. Hung in the chains, they say, up, they say, up where you see that stone where the gallus stood in. Yes, the fishermen made away with that, I believe, because they see it out on the sea and they kept the fish off according to their ideas. Yes, we had the account from the people that had the house before we come. You keep that room shut up, they says, but don't move the bed out, or you'll find there won't be no and you'll find there won't be no trouble. And no more than that, and no more there has been. Not once we haven't come out into the house through what he may do. This is very hard to read. You keep that room shut up, they says, but don't move the bed out and you'll find there won't be no trouble. And no more there has been. Not once he haven't come out into the house, though what he may do now, there ain't no saying. Anyway, you're the first to know on that seen him since we've been here. I never set eyes on him myself, nor do I want and ever since we've made the servants' rooms in the stabling, we ain't had no difficulty that way. Only I do hope, sir, that you'll keep a close tongue, considering now a house you get talked about with more to this effect. So basically shut your mouth or we're gonna get a bad reputation. Yep. The promise of silence was kept for many years. The occasion of my hearing the story at last was this that when Mr. Thompson came to stay with my father, it fell to me to show him to this room. And instead of letting me open the door for him, he stepped forward and threw it open himself. And then for some moments stood in the doorway, holding up his candle and looking narrowly into the interior. Then he seemed to recollect himself and said, I beg your pardon. Very absurd, but I can't help doing that for a peculiar reason. What that reason was, I heard some days afterwards. And you have heard now. Creepy. Wait, did he just like throw himself into the room? No, 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 no. So he came to stay, the, the guy who's actually telling, yeah, the, telling story, the story. He came to stay with, at, at his... The, like the inn that his dad ran. Yeah. Which was a different one yeah. from the one where he found the body. Yeah. And he just, he, he came in and he was like, uh, the, the, the young guy who's telling the story was sent to open the door for him. And instead he opened the door himself, threw the door open and was like, I'm sorry, this is a habit I have. I always have to open these doors. Let me tell you why. And That's then told him the story so of- So gross. <laughs> of not rats that wasn't rats why the fucking rats that was such a like I was waiting for like rats to be eating this guy or some shit <laughs> like, nope ew I was also waiting for the Betzes to be in on it like these yeah. are the people that go into the rooms they're not supposed to and then we chain them up and they become like 
like half-eaten people and shit. Yeah. We actually ended up reading the story we talked about not reading, so yeah. that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. It, the transition works. It worked. It did. From House it, of Mouse to Rats. It, it sure did. Uh, I I realized that not until the very end. Yeah. And I went, wait, oh, oh yes, um, cool. Yeah, I think we were we were looking at. We're the, gonna do those two. This this one was the shorter one, and this one is the middle one, and then Rats was the longer of the. All three. right. Well, um, we're forty five minutes, so um, I'm gonna drink a little wine. Great. I was not prepared for a sentence to cut off like that. And then I'm going to tell you which story you're reading. Woohoo! I guess you get to pick now. Do you want the short well, one or the middle one? You get to because you're picking for me. That's how this works. All right, listeners. Let me let me explain to you how this podcast works. What? We're doing a podcast? What? Where am I? Who am I? Ah! Why am I wearing clothes? Why am I wearing this sexy outfit? Hose and holidays. <laughs> For our audio-only listeners, there was a delightful little dance routine that you just missed. Was it delightful? It. I delighted. I delighted. <laughs> um. Quick, quick. Dead air is not interesting to listen to. I if you sit and listen, I have to oh my keep God. talking. I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Eeny, meeny, miny, After dark in the playing fields. It Fabulous. Is, it is the story directly after rats. So I'm just going to turn. There we go. And oh, there's a kitty cat. <laughs> you can't see it. She's over there. Hi, baby. After dark in the playing fields by M.R. James. The hour was late and the night was fair. I had halted not far from Sheep's Bridge and was thinking about the stillness only broken by the sound of the weir when a loud, tremulous hoot just above me made me jump. Hoot! It is always annoying to be startled. But <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> I have a kindness for owls. <laughs> this one was evidently very near. I looked about for it. There it was, sitting plumply on a branch about 12 feet up. <laughs> I pointed my stick at it and said, was that you? Yes. I played an owl in a play we did. And was... Drop it, said the owl. What? Oh, it's a talking owl. I know it ain't only a stick, but I don't like it. Yes, of course it was me. Who do you suppose it would be if it weren't? What? I was not expecting the owl to talk in this story. We will take as read the sentences about my surprise. I lowered the stick. Well, said the owl, how about it? If you will come out here of a midsummer evening like what this is, what do you expect? I beg your pardon, I said. <laughs> I should have remembered. May I say that I think myself very lucky to have met you tonight? I hope you have time for a little talk. Well, said the owl ungraciously, I don't know as it matters so particular tonight. I've had me supper as it happens, and if you ain't too long over it, ah, 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 oh. suddenly it broke into a loud scream, flapped its wings, furiously bent forward and clutched its perch tightly, continuing to scream. Plainly, something was pulling hard at it from behind. Oh, did someone stick a pole up this owl's butt? And no, like... someone is trying to pull a pole out of its butt. Oh, okay. I, 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 okay. I don't have that experience. It says something was pulling hard well, at yeah, it. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Did, did someone put it up and now they're trying to pull it up? Oh, that's what I that. meant. Yeah. Like they're puppeting the owl. They're pu someone's puppeting the owl, yeah. yeah. Um,. Pulling behind. Uh, the strain relaxed abruptly. The owl nearly fell over and then whipped round, ruffling up all over and made a vicious dab at something unseen by me. Oh, I am sorry, said a small, clear voice in a solicitous tone. I made sure it was loose. I do hope I didn't hurt you. 
Didn't hurt me, said the owl bitterly. Of course you hurt me, and while you know it, you young infidel, that feather was no more loose than, oh, if I could get at you, now I shouldn't wonder but what you've thrown me all out of balance. Why can't you let a person sit quiet for two minutes at a time without you must come creeping up and, well, you've done it this time anyway. I shall straight to headquarters and, finding it was now addressing the <laughs> empty air, why, where have you got to now? Oh, it is too bad, that it is. Dear me, I said. I'm afraid this isn't the first time you've been annoyed in this way. May I ex ask exactly what happened? I feel like we're in like a weird chapter of bed knobs and broomsticks that got cut. Kind of, <laughs> it feels that way a bit. Like, this, this man is not disturbed that there's a talking owl and someone else manipulating said owl You're at pulling, all. I'm pulling a tail feather out. At all. Day, yeah. <laughs> Yes, you may ask, said the owl, still looking narrowly about as it spoke, but it'd take me till the latter end of next week to tell you. Fancy coming and pulling out anyone's tail feather. Hurt me something cruel it did, and what for, I should like to know. Answer me that. Where's the reason of it? All that occurred to me was to murmur, the clamorous owl that nightly hoots and wonders at our quaint spirits. I hardly thought the point would be taken, but the owl said sharply, What's that? Yes, you needn't repeat it, I heard. And I'll tell you what's at the bottom of it, and you mark my words. It bent toward me and whispered with many nods of its round head, Pride, standoffishness. That's what it is. Come not near me, our fairy queen. This in a tone of bitter contempt. Oh dear, no, we ain't good enough for the likes of them. Us that's been noted time out of mind for the best singers in the fields now, ain't that so? Well, I said, doubtfully enough, I like to hear you very much, but, you know, some people think a lot of the thrushes and nightingales and so on. You must have heard of that, haven't you? And then perhaps, of course, I don't know, perhaps your style of singing isn't exactly what they think suitable to accompany their dancing, eh? I should kindly hope not, said the owl, drawing himself up. Our families never give in to dancing, nor never won't, neither. Why, whatever are you thinking of? It went on with rising temper. A pretty thing it would be for me to sit here hiccuping at them. It stopped and looked cautiously all round it and up and down and then continued in a lower voice. Then little ladies and gentlemen, if it ain't suitable for them, I'm very sure it ain't suitable for me. And, temporizing again, if they expect me never to say a word just because they're dancing and carrying on with their foolishness, they're very much mistook, and so I tell them. This owl's definitely a Republican. <laughs> He's like, why can these people have fun all the time and be gay and happy, but like, I can't just like live my business. Why can't everyone just make their own choices? Except them. Just me. Just me. <laughs> From what had passed before, I was afraid this was an imprudent line to take, and I was right. Hardly had the owl given its last emphatic nod when four small slim forms dropped from a bough above and in a twinkling some sort of grass rope was thrown round the body of the unhappy bird and it was borne off through the air loudly protesting in the direction of Fellow's Pond. Splashes and gurgles and shrieks of unfeeling laughter were heard as I hurried up. Something darted away over my head, and as I stood peering over the bank of the pond, which was all in commotion, a very angry and disheveled owl scrambled heavily up the bank, then stopping near my feet, shook itself and flapped and hissed for several minutes without saying anything I should care to repeat. 
So that, that owl's swearing like a foul, He's doing the uh, the Bob Hoskins, or not Bob Hoskins, uh, the uh, uh, Joe Pesci from in Home Alone. Alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, I love that four fairies just lassoed an owl and threw him in the water. Sure, why not? He's talking shit about them. Glaring at me, it eventually said, and the grim, suppressed rage in its voice was such that I hastily drew back a step or two. And that said they was very sorry, but they'd mistook me for a duck. Oh, if it ain't enough to make anyone go regular distracted in their mind and tear everything to flinders for miles round. So carried away was it by passion that it began to process at once by rooting up a large beakful of grass, which, alas, got into its throat, and the choking that resulted made me really afraid that it would break a vessel. But the paroxysm was mastered, and the owl sat up, winking and breathless, but intact. Yeah, I feel like this owl definitely is like a spokesperson for Fox News or something. I'm getting very angry about it's just, it's, everything! It's, it's Joe as, as, what's his name in, um, Harry, right? Harry? In Home Alone? Oh. And that is that Yeah, it's Joe Pesci. No, he's not Harry. The other one's Harry. What's his Joe name? Joe Pesci's... Ma- no, Marv. Marv, Marv is the Marv and Harry. One. It's Harry. He is Harry. He is Harry, yeah. Wait. Yeah, he is. Marv's the dumb one. Yeah. Some expression of sympathy seemed to be required, yet I was chary of offering it, for in its present state of mind, I felt that the bird might interpret the best-meant phrase as a fresh insult. So we stood looking at each other without speech for a very awkward minute, and then came a diversion. Uh Uh-oh. First, the thin voice of the pavilion clock, then the deeper sound of the castle quadrangle, then Lupton's tower, drowning the curfew tower by its nearness. What's that? said the owl suddenly and hoarsely. Midnight, I should think. Nope. Midnight, I should think, said I, (laughs) and had recourse to my watch. Midnight, cried the owl, evidently much startled. Oh no, the fairy godmother's gonna get mad. <laughs> and me too wet to fly a yard. <laughs> oh, Here, <laughs> you pick me up and put me in the tree. Uh, don't, I'll climb up your leg and you won't ask me to do that twice. <laughs> Quick now. Sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> I obeyed. Um, which tree do you want? Why, my tree, to be sure, over there. It nodded towards the wall. All right, bad Kelk's tree, do you mean? This is what happens when uh, the technology is full and... That was seamless, right? I was drinking this before. Super smooth transition. Back to the owl. (laughs) Yeah. Back to Joe Pesci owl. The iPad ran out of memory. Yeah, it happens. (laughs) We were just too entertaining, and it was like, too much! (laughs) And we're back. And where is it? Curfew Tower, quick now. Ah, all right. Uh, Bad Kelk's tree, do you mean? I said, beginning to run in that direction. How should I know what silly names you call it? The one what has, like, a door in it? Go faster! They'll be coming in another minute! That's where the Keebler elves are. (laughs) Who? What's the matter? I asked as I ran, clutching the wet creature, and much afraid of stumbling and coming over with it in the long grass. You'll see fast enough, said this selfish bird. (laughs) You just let me get on that tree. I shall be all right. And I suppose it was. For it scrambled very quickly up the trunk with its wings spread, then disappeared in a hollow without a word of thanks. I looked round, not very comfortably. The curfew tower was still playing St. David's tune and the little chime that follows for the third and last time. But the other bells had finished what they had to say, and now there was silence, and again the restless changing weir. 
was the only thing that broke. No, that emphasized it. Why had the owl been so anxious to get into hiding? That, of course, was what now exercised me. Whatever and whoever was coming, I was sure that this was no time for me to cross the open field. I should do best to dissemble any presence by staying on the darker side of the tree. And that is what I did. And that was where I fucked up. <laughs> All of this took place some years ago, before summertime came in. I do sometimes go into the playing field at night still, but... I come in before true midnight, and I find I do not like a crowd after dark. For example, <laughs> at the 4th of June fireworks, you see... 4th no, of June? you do not, but I see such curious faces, and the people to whom they belong flit about so oddly, often at your elbow when you least expect it and looking close into your face as if they were searching for someone who may be thankful, I think, if they do not find him. Where do they come from? Why, some, I think, out of the water, and some out of the ground. They look like that. But I am sure it is best to take no notice of them and not to touch them. Yes, I certainly prefer the daylight population of the playing fields to that which comes there after dark. A what? <laughs> Our narrator was tripping balls. Was tripping balls acid. I was going to say, I was like, so acid? Uh, LSD much? Ellis, he, he tripped acid with a friend and got separated from the friend and then was like, oh shit, there's a talking owl. I gotta fucking <laughs> deal with this shit. Oh my god, there's fairies. <laughs> and then I'm just gonna hide behind this tree. And he hid behind that tree until he, cut, he, he probably fell asleep for a while and then woke up and was like, oh, I can go now. And he's still tripping a little bit because like when you're tripping acid, it takes a while. And it's like, I don't know why I know that. Um, and then you like... <laughs> and then... Just remember, I'm not editing anything out of this. I know you're not. Uh, and then, uh, I have no secrets. Uh, and and then he was like, oh, I should get home. And you like time time kind of disappears in that moment. So you're kind of like, oh, it was like five minutes. Everything seems cool. I'm going to go back to the hotel now. <laughs> that one was weird. That was a strange one. I was not ready for that to be a weird, trippy fairy tale. I enjoyed that one. That it was, was fun. a fun story. That was very out of the MR James world. It felt more like a... a you know like, what it kind of felt like was Imaginary Friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, that was a play we did at uh, theater in grad school, um, uh, which was a Terry Brooks, based yeah. on a Terry Brooks story. Yeah. Uh, fam- uh, if you, well, Imaginary if you, Friends is the Terry Brooks story. The play was called The Secret of Courage. Secret of Courage, but yes. Um, yeah. Like, very much so, except, like, because I was the owl. So when, at the beginning, when I was being an annoying, like, asshole, that was me actually doing a character that was my character in that play. <laughs> she was just playing a character of an annoying asshole. I'm a good actor. (laughs) (laughs) So what'd you think of that one, listeners? What'd you think of that one, viewers? How you doing? How you doing? (laughs) Um, I had fun with it. Did you have fun with it? That was fun, actually. I'm into that. It was slappy. Well, now that we have this space, we could do this more if people like it. So, audience, uh, write in and let us know. Write in to 5050artsproduction at gmail.com or any of our social medias. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. and Google Campfire Classics Podcast Campfire and it will Classics. take you anywhere you need to go. Um, <laughs> and let us know what you thought about those stories, what you think about M.R. James, 
and perhaps most importantly, what you think of this setup. Um, uh, whether you are watching or listening to us have to do this, <laughs> mostly unedited. We did have one moment about six minutes and 50 seconds ago when the camera cut out because it ran out of storage space because I didn't clear enough storage space before we started uh, recording. Yeah. That's my fault. I do um, <laughs> uh, So mostly unedited, except for that. Did, did you enjoy this audio in its totally raw form? Did you enjoy this video? Um, Did you enjoy us, us in our raw <laughs> let us Let us know what you thought. Let us know if you want more of this. Let us know if you hope never to see this again. Um, and whatever your opinion, uh, please do share it with us. And when you write in, include this week's secret passcode, which is Cubist Glory Hole. Cubist Glory Hole! <laughs> That's your mission. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year! Anything else? No, I'm good. Great. On that note, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Should all acquaintance be forgot, they will be when I finish this wine! Oh, yeah. Also, Happy New Year. See you in 2023.